wind back the clock. Wind back the clock. I remember a few years ago, I was driving out the back of uh, my driveway, and uh, as I was reversing, I uh, suddenly heard this almighty crunch. And I looked out the back, and I reversed into uh, not just any car, this posh Mercedes-Benz, and I dented the side panel. And just for a fleeting moment, I, no, I, I didn't think I'd just drive away. No, I left the note on the, uh, on the car and everything. But for that moment, I just wished I could have just wound back the clock 30 seconds and saved myself a whole headache of trouble. That's just a trivial example. But maybe there's things in your life that you can think, I wish I could just wind back the clock on that. Maybe it was a stupid mistake you made. Maybe it's some kind of tragedy that happens that could have been avoided. Maybe it was actually a bad thing you did and you really messed up. Or maybe it was something really bad that happened to you that you wish you could undo. Maybe something that even affected your whole life. A regret that can't be undone. I don't know if many of you watched the Oscars this year. Um, I don't even know who won any category because the only thing that dominated the news the next day was, of course, when the famous actor Will Smith walked up and struck um, the comedian Chris Rock across the face in front of millions of people. And I bet you, 10 minutes later, he wished he could have wound back the clock, Will Smith, don't you think? In one moment, one crazy moment, his whole life just irreversibly changed forever. Shocking moment. Even today, I reckon right now at Easter Sunday, he's probably at church. I don't know if he goes to church or not. And he's saying, Lord, I wish I just hadn't have done that. Wind back the clock. Because sometimes when we make these silly mistakes or these tragedies happen, they're impossible to put back in again or to undo. And sometimes these things just keep unraveling. You try and make it better, but it just keeps unraveling and getting worse and worse. I was putting my socks on this morning, and uh, I need new socks, definitely, because I noticed that there were some threads poking out the top where the elastic goes around, you know? And I thought, oh, I'll just quickly whip that, whip that off my sock, tidy it up. And you know exactly what happened, don't you? It just pulled more and more out. And the way I thought I would solve that problem is keep pulling. Because if you keep pulling, surely it's got to tidy my sock up. And now, I'm standing right now, my socks are slipping down my ankles. I can feel it. It's distracting me from my sermon. But life can be like that, can't it? Something goes wrong. Oh, just something that I just... Just pull that out. And before you know, your life is just sort of unraveling. Maybe even it's just something as simple as, I'm getting older. And I wish I could wind back the clock because my life's unraveling a bit. Um, I brought in an example. I forgot to do this with the children. Um, so unfortunately, I'm going to do my child's gimmick on you this morning. <laughs> Best toy in the world when you were young? Or one of? The slinky? I don't think in the history of the slinky, anyone's got to actually make it work and go down a full set of stairs. But nonetheless, we try. The slinky. Great toy. But as soon as, as soon as it gets a bit messed up, that's it. It's over for the slinky, isn't it? 
Because as soon as it gets a bit tangled, it is impossible to untangle it. And the more you try and untangle the slinky, what happens? The worse it gets. The worse it gets. Until you've got this useless toy that just is doomed for the rubbish tip. But there we go. That's my illustration. Because again, like the unraveling sock, life can be a little bit like that. We've got ourselves into a mess. And we don't always know how to untangle that. We try and untangle all the mess of our lives, and we find ourselves still tangled up. And not just our own personal lives, but it's really true of the world. The world. How many problems are we facing? Even in just the last two years of, our, of our, the history of our world, we're facing things that just, everyone's just scratching their heads. And we look to the scientists, we look to the politicians, we look to the health advisors, we look to the peacemakers, we look to the UN, we look to NATO, we look to all these things, we look to the bankers, and we look to all the economists, sort this lot out. And like with the slinky, it's just getting more and more jumbled up. And there's things that have gone past in our history that just can't be undone now. Pains and hurts and problems and conflicts. That doesn't matter how much you say sorry or let's patch that up. There's things that have happened that cannot be undone. That's the story of the Bible, really. You know, right back at the beginning of the Bible with Adam and Eve, if you know that story... They took one bite of a piece of fruit they weren't supposed to. And my goodness, did their sock unravel. The whole world just seemed to start unraveling from that moment, getting more and more mixed up, more and more jumbled. And I'm sure it caused Adam and Eve all kinds of pain. And I bet they wish they could have wound back the clock just a few minutes or years and just said, I wish we hadn't done that because look what's happening. Even their own children, Cain and Abel, the first story after Adam and Eve took from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the first story, one of their sons kills the other son. And on it goes. Noah's flood, Tower of Babel, slavery in Egypt, all sorts of problems and mistakes. And Adam and Eve just, I bet they wish they could have just wound back the clock and packed it all back in and not done that. That's the story of the Bible. But there is hope. Don't worry, I'll get to the hope in a minute. Uh, I remember uh, one of my favorite films when I was growing up as a kid was Superman. Not the recent Superman films, but the old ones. Do you remember with Christopher Reeve? And uh, he was the best Superman, I think. And uh, in one of the stories, no matter, there's, this, there's this scene where Superman, and he can fly. He's all-powerful. He can shoot lasers out of his eyes. He can do all sorts of things. And there's this one moment where he's busy saving the world and all of that, but he runs out of time to save his beloved, uh, his, his girlfriend, Lois Lane. And she dies in a scene. And he's all cut up about it, Superman. And do you know what he decides to do, if you remember the film? He decides to use his greatest parable. He flies up into the air, and he starts flying around the world really quickly in the opposite direction to the way the world was spinning. Do you remember that scene? If you don't, you can picture it. And he actually manages to reverse the spin of the world, and it starts turning back the other way. And as soon as it starts turning back the other way, people start walking backwards like this. And he manages to reverse all the bad stuff that had happened, and he manages to then go back and save Lois Lane. 
man, what a great power to have. Wine back, look, only Superman's got that. Well, not only Superman. Not only Superman. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. At Easter, reverses and undoes all the wrongs of the world. We see it from the moment he steps onto and rides that donkey into Jerusalem. From that moment on, we see him almost winding back all the history of the world, righting all the wrongs and restoring all the things that have gone horribly wrong. Let's just take a moment to go through that Easter story. Palm Sunday, we see Jesus riding as the humble king to Jerusalem. And in so doing, he shows up all the tyrants of this world, all those who have ruled this world with intimidation and fear, all the despots, all the dictators, all the kings and queens that have done it wrong. And he shows the world how to do it right, to rule with humility and love, not with tyranny and fear. And when he rides into Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple and he sees the corruption of religion and all that's gone wrong with worship of God and he turns over the tables and he drives out all the wrong from the temple almost to show and correct and restore true worship of God. And then later on, he's staying at the house of a friend. A night later, he's staying with a friend who he's helped in his life. She's a lady that's filled with gratitude to Jesus. And she takes a jar of expensive perfume and she pours it over Jesus. Some people there are going, oh, what a waste. But Jesus says, no, this is a beautiful thing that she has done. And in doing that, Jesus is showing what restored relationships look like. Not abuse, not worthlessness, but showing what human love looks like. A restored relationship with a woman that had many troubles in her life. Jesus is almost just undoing all the bad things that happen in our lives and showing us the right way. And then we see Jesus later, the night before he dies, he has supper with his friends. In his most time of need, Jesus decides to have a meal with his friend. And in so doing, Jesus restores a world where isolation and loneliness has destroyed so much. Haven't we seen that in this last couple of years? The pandemic's caused much illness, but some people are beginning to see that the biggest illness that we've suffered these last two years is isolation, loneliness, abandonment, those sorts of things. And Jesus shows us when he says, the thing that I want to do above all others, if I could just do one thing and I've only got hours left, what will I do? I want to sit and spend time with my friends. And so Jesus, he's reversing that world. He's spinning it backwards and he's saying, if you've ever been lonely, if you've ever experienced that, I'm going to undo it all because I'm going to be your friend. That's what I want to do. 
And then Jesus, after supper, he gets up and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with his friends and he decides to pray with his friends. His friends let him down, but he's used to that. And then he is betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't take revenge. He turns the other cheek. And in so doing that, Jesus breaks the cycle that so many of us are caught up in, the cycle of revenge, the cycle of tit for tat, the endless cycle of you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you, where violence begets more violence. And almost all of the conflicts that have ever existed in the history of the world is because of that problem. And on that night, Jesus reverses it. He turns the other cheek. And then Jesus is arrested, beaten, and wrongfully imprisoned. And so as he goes through that experience, he begins to shine a light and expose all the injustices of this world. All the false accusations, all the wrongful imprisonments, all the scapegoating, all the shifting of blame, all the bullying of the weak, all the things we see in our playgrounds, in our businesses, in our courts, in the corruption of governments or whatever it is, all we see that Jesus shines a light straight into all of that and he begins to reverse the whole thing. And then we see Jesus on the cross. We see him suffering and dying. We see him bleeding and pouring out his life. And as we see him do that, we see him healing all the wounds of this world. From the graves of your knee to the deep aches of the human heart to the pain we have inflicted on one another and for the sins of the world he restores it all he winds back the clock he forgives he heals he saves and then finally we see Jesus in the tomb of all the things we wish we could turn back in this life, of all the things we wish we could just wind that clock back, surely it is the loved ones we have lost, the people who have been taken from us, the people we're so desperately sad we won't see again. Every time a loved one or anyone dies, we know that some kind of great tragedy has occurred. And we wish we could turn back the time and get them back. The grave has stolen so much from this world. And yet, Jesus restores it. Jesus reverses it. Jesus brings back all those who have died in him. He's actually done it. The very things we thought were impossible and are impossible for us are all now possible in Jesus. New beginnings, healing, eternal life, a future for each of us and all our loved ones. So when Mary Magdalene went to visit the tomb on Sunday morning, she thought her life had completely unraveled. 
Can you imagine her situation? The one person she thought she could depend upon, Jesus, the one good person she had ever met in her life, the only person who had ever helped her and shown her dignity and worth and love was dead and gone. And her life, I, I'm sure she was wishing, can't we just wind back the clock a few days and we could have stopped all this from happening? But he's gone, he's destroyed, he's beaten. But in the end, she didn't need to wind back the clock because he had risen. She found that Jesus had already done it. He had already wound back the clock. He had already overcome and restored all things. And with Jesus at Easter time, we see that nothing is impossible for God. From that moment on, all the people who encountered Jesus, all the people who followed him, their lives began to change. They began to be put back together. The messes that we all find ourselves in, we start to see that Jesus not just unravels them, but solves them. We find that Jesus begins to heal our pasts like they never happened. Forgive our sins. Restore our wounds. And then even for those followers of Jesus, death became nothing at all. They feared it not one bit. The followers of Jesus found that death was not the end, but in Jesus had been restored to something much more glorious. Eternal life. So I don't know what situation you're all in this morning, what regrets, what past mistakes, what things you wish you could wind the clock back on, or even whether you just wish, I just wish I could be young again, whatever it is. May you know the power of the risen Jesus this morning. May we all look to him to fix us to put it all back and to say to us, it's okay, I've dealt with it. I've forgiven it. I've healed it. I've restored it. And even all the people you've loved in Christ that are lost, are not lost. And neither are you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus has actually a